Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition Podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Well Sister Church. If you enjoy what you've heard today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to this podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in the description, which can be found in the same podcast app that you're listening to right now. I've tried to make the link obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's word. Share love to your neighbor. Today's podcast is titled Unworthy Servants and is based upon Luke chapter 17 verses 1 through 10. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now let's join Pastor Zamzow for this week's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Master, my dear fellow believers, Amen. A worker shows up in his boss's office to tell him that He got a job done early. He's excited to go in there to relay the good news to his boss, and his boss kind of leans back in his his office chair, kicks his feet up on his desk, and says, well, that's good. Now you got time to start on the next project, or hey, maybe you can go organize the stock room. And the worker stands there, maybe a little bit flabbergasted, because he was hoping for the day off, Or maybe he was thinking he'd get recommended uh, to the powers that be for a raise. You tell your son or your daughter, hey, go get dressed and clean your room and make your bed. Sit down, you maybe sip on a cup of coffee, and uh, the little one comes out of their room, and they're like, Mom, Dad, I made my bed but they're still wearing their PJs. You look at them and you're kind of like, well, you follow them down to the room and the room is still trash, but the bed is made. And the kid stands there a little bit flabbergasted that you're not like immediately proud of them. Is there something that you told them to do and they, they haven't quite 
done it. Well, all all these, these scenarios, they're familiar to us, whether you're the worker or the child, because we've all been in those shoes at one point or another, right? Because we've got this thing in us that's like, we oftentimes expect to be commended or rewarded, get a pat on the back or a merit badge for something that we did, even if it was something that we're supposed to do. We don't really like the idea of being nothing more than a quote-unquote unworthy servant. So why does Jesus end the gospel with this today? When we look at this gospel section from Luke chapter 17, it almost seems like these two things are kind of disjointed. Jesus begins by talking about forgiving, and then he ends by calling his disciples, and therefore us, unworthy servants. And it kind of seems like we're talking about two different things. The Lord ends with this illustration that's almost identical to the one that I just gave about this worker who comes in from the field and he's expecting to eat at his master's table and the Lord says, no, it doesn't work that way. The servant is not the master and the servant does what the servant is supposed to do. He's got a job description and he's required to fulfill it, not get praise or suddenly be welcomed in to eat at the master's table right alongside him. He's not then, uh, because he did his job, he doesn't suddenly get to live like the master. This is a hard truth that Jesus is teaching his disciples as he tells us what it is to be an unworthy servant. To understand why Jesus says all this, we've got to go back. We have to go back to who he's talking to and why he's saying this to them. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he looks at them first off in the, in the gospel reading we heard this. He says, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Literally, in the original, when you translate this, it's, it's this. It's impossible for things that cause us to stumble and sin not to come. It's impossible for us, essentially, for us not to sin. That word stumble there in the Greek is skandala, from which we get our English word scandal. It's impossible for us not to be scandalized. It's impossible for things not to tempt us. It's impossible for us to not stumble and sin. This is the words of Jesus. Anybody want that as a confirmation verse? It's a promise, something that's sure to come. Nobody really wants to own that. Nobody wants to claim that. Because we know it's true. We think about the laundry list of temptations and things that scandalize us that, that we could possibly think about here. We might immediately jump on the big ones greed, or lust, or don't drink too much, or don't look at pornography. Those are the, the, the big ones that our minds might jump to, the big markers, the ones that we might even have some success in avoiding from time to time. We give ourselves a pat on the back for avoiding. 
Jesus' words go deeper here because he's not just talking about the individual. He's talking about causing others to sin. And so we think about what he means there and we mine the depths of his word. What sorts of temptations and sins and scandals is Jesus talking about? Well, what causes other people to sin? Lovelessness? Our own pride? Holding grudges? Withholding forgiveness? Jesus looks at his disciples and he's talking about not causing one of these little ones. Who's he talking about here? What does he mean by little ones? The other Gospels, we hear Jesus say something similar and he's in the company of children. Don't cause one of these little ones to sin. But in the context of Luke chapter 17, Jesus is not really around children. In fact, if we go back and find the setting where he is, if we go back to Luke chapter 15, we find that Jesus is sitting there eating and drinking with his disciples and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Jesus is pointing at the tax collectors and the prostitutes here. The sinners. Don't cause one of them to sin. Those who are little in faith. Those who've come and they have gathered to him. Those who are broken. Those bruised reeds. The smoldering wicks. The ones that know they've done wrong and they've come to hear the word of Jesus' forgiveness. If anyone causes one of them to stumble or to sin, it would be better if they had a millstone tied around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. The temptation and the scandal that Jesus points out here is a very real temptation for the disciples or of anybody that it's in earshot of Jesus' words. Just as it was for the disciples, the same is true for us. And have those people that are in our own lives that we look at and think to ourselves, you got to do something more. You got to appeal to my sense of justice. You got to raise the bar in your own life, and then maybe we can talk about reconciliation. Maybe then we can talk about forgiveness. Maybe then I'll drop that grudge that I have against you. Now, Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. So, yes, call sin, sin, call it what it is, absolutely. Yet, if they repent, forgive them. He even gets more forceful with it in the next phrase. He says, you must You must forgive them. You must forgive them. Give them the gospel. If they repent, you must forgive them. As an unworthy servant yourself, don't withhold forgiveness from another. The word forgive here um, literally means to lift off or to remove or to take away. If somebody comes to you, repents for something that they have done wrong, if they've come burdened, buried in their own weight of guilt, bruised by sin for what they've done, and they come to you and they repent and they say, I am sorry, forgive me, then there is no strings attached, 
No question, Jesus says to his disciples, lift the burden off, carry it away, forgive them. And he even puts in a contingency here. Um, and for the one that might say, well, what if this keeps happening? Jesus says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. You must. You are my servant. Disciples of Jesus, you know this is who you are. You have been forgiven. You must forgive them. And what's the response to all this? The reaction of the disciples um, is, <laughs> it, I, I guess it kind of strikes us as, as a little strange, but it shouldn't. Jesus says all this to them. You must forgive them. And how do they react? Pretty much with one voice, they look at him and say, increase our faith. Increase our faith. You know, this comes up in, uh, in counseling situations from time to time. Um, talking to individuals, um, you know, about relationships that they have. Well, what if my son keeps doing this? What if my spouse keeps doing this thing over and over and over and over again? They, they, they turn around and they say, you know, I'm sorry, but I can hardly believe it. I can hardly believe it because what is it going to be, like a week or a day, and then they're doing the thing all over again, and I'm starting to take it personally, and I'm starting to get resentful. I'm not seeing a change that I want to see. Well, flip the script a little bit. How are we with God? Aren't we the same way? Day after day, we commit and return to the same set of sins that we're so familiar and comfortable with in our own lives. And day after day, at night, before we put our head down on a pillow, we might fold our hands and say, God, forgive me for all I've done. And does God put some contingency on you? Does he put that on me? No, he doesn't. Perhaps nobody sees our sin. Or perhaps they're not as public. Or maybe we've done a better job of making the mess of our own spiritual lives look a little bit cleaner or a little bit more spit and polished than the, uh, the person uh, around us in our life. But at the end of the day, we are all exactly the same. We are all equally as spiritually deprived. And in the eyes of God, when we turn to Him and we ask for forgiveness, God does not withhold forgiveness from you or me. And we are His servants. And the Lord says when somebody comes and asks you for forgiveness, that they repent and they ask to be forgiven, we are unworthy servants of the Master too. And we say the same thing. We must forgive them. And Jesus' response to this reaction of his disciples, when they come and say, increase our faith, just further in reinforces this point. Because this almost is like, um, um, Jesus doesn't say, okay, <laughs> snaps his fingers and gives them more faith. Um, what Jesus does is a, is a rebuke. He gives them this illustration about a mustard seed and a mulberry tree. Um, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, get up and be planted in the sea. Well, what's the point of what he's getting at? 
Is he literally talking about moving plants around? No. What he's saying is that even if you have the smallest amount of faith, you can do this great thing. If you have the smallest amount of trust in Christ Jesus as your Savior from sin, if you have the littlest bit, you can do this. You want more faith? You don't need it. If you have the tiniest faith, you can do this mighty thing. You can forgive. Because even the tiniest faith in Jesus looks to Him and sees that we are a blood-bought, you are a blood-bought child of God. Even the smallest, tiniest faith knows that we are unworthy. And that God's love for us is totally undeserved love. The smallest faith has the power to forgive. And so, unworthy servants, though we are, we've been called into His kingdom of service. We're unworthy uh, unworthy servants having received such undeserved love, such incredible forgiveness ourselves, the gifts of God, love and grace and mercy, forgiveness from the Lord, and we're unworthy servants who've been entrusted then to carry that message of Jesus' forgiveness out to other sinners who desperately need it. And let me wrap this up with a little illustration. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I was in a... Um, if my mom is watching this, she's going to find this familiar and probably laugh at me. But when I was, when I was a kid, um, there was this girl that sat behind me in class, and she was a bully. Um, she would like tattle on me for stuff that I didn't do, or if she did something that I would get in trouble for it. Um, she would repeatedly go into my desk and take out like my markers and my books and stuff like that. Um, she would sometimes just chuck them on the floor. And it, as I was writing this, I was like, well, maybe I was just obtuse when I was a kid. And maybe she thought I was cute and she wanted attention. Maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, um, she, she would push me around and stuff. And I remember one particular day, she went into my, into my desk and I had brought a book from home, um, probably something about dinosaurs or something like that. But I brought a book from home. It didn't have a library tag in it. And she went into my desk and she took my book out. And I came back to my desk after recess and I looked at her and I saw her with my book. I said, hey, that's my book. And she said, no, it's not. It's mine. Sorry. I'm going to keep it. It's got no library tag in it, so who would ever know? And I just remember, I, maybe part of me had just kind of had enough of the whole thing, but I remember looking back at her and I said, well, you apologize, so that's okay. You said I'm sorry, so I forgive you. And she sat there, her, kind of, her jaw kind of hit the floor because I think she was expecting more of a reaction, but that's not the point. The point is, is I went home really excited about this. I felt so good in my heart that I forgave this bully. Like, ooh, look at some wonderful thing that I did. You see where I'm going with this? I felt so great. I felt like, oh, I'm, I, uh, I, I forgave this person who wronged me. I went home and I told my mom. I was so excited about it. Yet this is what we are called to do. This is what the Lord Jesus has called us to do. He shed His blood on the cross for the forgiveness of sins for the entire world. That means yours and mine. When we turn to God, He doesn't hold anything against us. 
And therefore, when somebody turns to us and asks us for forgiveness, we must forgive because we too are unworthy servants. Not to turn inside ourselves and say, oh, how humble, how charitable, how wonderful I am, and expect a pat on the back or an accolade for forgiving somebody that wronged us. Jesus says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And this is what we pray for every single time we fold our hands, we bow our head and say the Lord's Prayer and say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this Monday through Friday and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.